enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you to join us in a study of God's Word today. May God open your heart and mind as you listen to the eternal truths found in His Word. We are going to be looking over the next few weeks at what it means to be a people of grace. We will be doing this as a small group uh, meeting on Tuesdays uh, starting uh, next week, uh, Tuesday, uh, the last Tuesday in August. We will be continuing to talk about what it looks like to be a gracious people in our world. And I thought I would begin today kind of introducing all of this, this series, with a passage of Scripture that at the face of it looks to be the least gracious passage of Scripture in all the Gospels. And so we're going to look today at Matthew chapter 15. Uh, There was a prayer and a word uh, sent out by the lectionary by our district superintendent for all the pastors this morning. Always a word of encouragement he gives us every week. And I laughed because he chose the Old Testament passage instead of this one. (laughs) Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21. Jesus left that place, went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he didn't answer her at all. And the disciples came and urged him, saying, Well, send her away. She keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This story about the woman from uh, Canaan is, this is, this is an area, when it says the district of Tyre and Sidon, it's an area outside of Israel, outside of Galilee, outside of Samaria, outside Judea, outside of their area, in, in, in the country of Phoenicia. It is, it, Tyre and Sidon are in this district north of where Jesus is going to spend the rest of his ministry. You, know, you need to understand this area in which she comes from. There are a bunch of outsiders. They think and they act differently. The way of thinking just is completely different from their culture. Their way of, uh, of worship, their way of everything about life is just weird and out there. Come to think of it, when I first moved here, people warned me about people who live north of here. <laughs> I heard stories about even, but not just about the county, <laughs> but I also heard stories about further north and even a little bit to the west as well. I heard stories about these people from outside this country that lived north and west, that they would come down here in the summertime, come down to our beaches with their unusual accents, walking around in their Speedos. (laughs) Yikes. Like, I was warned, avert your eyes, protect the children. (laughs) This is one of those things. Jesus has gone into a territory filled with unusual people people who are different. And along the way, he encounters this woman. And she is crying out for help because she believes Jesus can heal her daughter. And verse 23 tells us so strange that Jesus ignores the plea. 
he, he, he's not listening to this at all. And the disciples indeed ask him, would you send her away? She's still shouting. Like, we can still hear her. <laughs> what, like, do this, please, help us out. Now, if someone says, send them away, if someone says, get rid of them, if someone's asked something like that, how do you expect the person you're asking to respond? Right? If someone were to ask you, how would you expect your response to be either, yeah, let's send them away, or no, let them come. Right? You would expect one of those two things. Let me give you an example. An example that I'm fairly certain happened at some point in time in Jen and I's marriage. Uh, I don't know when, I don't know exactly how, but I'm fairly certain something like this has happened. Jen's making dinner. One of our children, don't know, doesn't matter who it is, Alex, Eric, whatever, they're a toddler, and uh, keeps hanging on her leg. Just, 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 pulling on, just pulling on her leg. Mama, 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 love you, mama, 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 what you doing, mama, mama, just continually. Now Jen's got hot things on the stove. She's moving back and forth between cutting vegetables with a sharp knife, stirring sizzling food on the stove, checking the oven, and there's a toddler underfoot. Mama, mama, love you, mama, mama. <laughs> now if, if Jen were to say to me, and she would, can can you come take Alex or Eric? Can you come hold them, play with them? Do some, can you get them out of the kitchen, please, before one of us gets hurt? What would you expect me to say as a response? Either, yes, here I come, or if I don't want to eat that day, <laughs> no, my hands are full too. Like, all right, you're going to hear one of those two responses. What wouldn't be helpful for me to say, but actually... But it's most likely for me to say <laughs> is, oh, but he does love his mama. Can you blame him? <laughs> like that is something I would say. And so I guarantee you, though, when those words come out of my mouth, I'm going to get a look that says, well, you better be on your way <laughs> to pick him up. Because as true as that statement is, oh, but he does love his mama. It's, to borrow an old phrase my mom used to use, it's besides the point. <laughs> it's something that doesn't relate to the issue at hand. It may be true, but it doesn't matter in this exact instance. It doesn't make sense as a response to the request. So when the disciples say, send her away, she keeps shouting. Like a young one still crawling around your feet when there's grease popping all around you. Jesus' response doesn't make sense in the heat of the moment to those disciples. It's not a yes, it's not a no, it's just I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Unless those words weren't just words recorded for the heat of the moment. It wasn't shared just for those disciples, but for the disciples who would read and hear this message generations later, after the resurrection, making sense of what Jesus has done. I suspect there's more to this story. There has to be more to this story. More lines of dialogue, I presume. There's probably more details. I mean, we don't know the woman's name. We don't know her daughter's name. We don't know how far she traveled to see Jesus. We don't even know what Canaanites were wearing during that time. How do we know her husband didn't go to the beaches in Speedos? And so, like, we just don't know some details in Scripture. But... We also don't know if there were other lines of conversation between Jesus and the disciples. All we have is those, these exact words written down as they're remembered by Matthew. And they were remembered specifically to share something about Jesus to his audience. 
and I believe these words, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the dialogue that comes afterward are words we are meant to hear. The disciples who believe after the resurrection, after the word has spread. Words that are preserved for the church hearing the story of Jesus after he's raised from the dead. Jesus' words here are indeed an absolute reflection of the Jewish feeling towards the Canaanites. You, you could look in Ezra chapter 9, the beginning of that chapter, you'll see God warned them, don't you hang out with the Canaanites after you come back from exile and settle in this land. It's not going to go well. You don't want to mingle with them. The feeling towards them is evident. They know exactly who Jesus is really there to save. He's there for them. He's there for the Jewish people. He was there to save them from the oppression around them. He was there to free them from the sin that was entrapping them. He was there to overwrite the effects of mortality that it was infecting each and every one of them on this side of heaven. That's what he was there for. That's what his miracles were showing. It was for them. Indeed, the woman recognizes she was right when she goes up to him and says, Son of David, she knows who he is and what group he's with. He's sent to the house of Israel. But she does trip him up one more time. She gets underfoot and she cries out, Lord, help me. And Jesus' response, perhaps even more callous, it isn't fair to throw the children's food to the dogs. Now, this is not a pleasant response at all to, to really get the gravity of what he means when he calls her a dog here would be to almost use a slur or something. When we think of a dog, we often today think of something loyal, sweet, and perfect. Today, our dogs are treated as not as property, but as family. They're amazing creatures. We love them. And frankly, we love our dogs a lot more than we like most people. But given, so, so like trying to understand what's he mean by this word dog, I'm not going to use the curse word. Well, frankly, I don't curse in the district superintendents here, so I can't do that. But let me try a different illustration. Um, Tim, Fred, when playing one of our online video games with a group of people, if after whatever challenge we have, a team battle, an event, an outcome, or something like that, if someone on the opposing team says in all chat, dog. <laughs> What's our response? We sit up a little straighter in our chair, don't we? There's no way we're letting that fly for round two. <laughs> like we know that that is an insult. It still carries weight even today. And so when she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, she's saying anything, please help anything. Teach me, help me, anything you can do. The slightest crumb will be enough. I just want my daughter to be in your grace. She just wants to find herself in the grace of Jesus. Again, I want to remind you, I believe these words of Jesus are written as more than just a historical record. The book of Matthew is not him walking around with like a tape recorder recording the event or a phone set on record. This is not a hot mic moment where people are like, can you believe what Jesus just said about her in a time of need? Like, it's not that at all. When Matthew records these words, he's recording the mindset of the disciples and the mindset of the time. 
And indeed, what I believe he thought the minds of the disciples still reading it today would be. That's right, he's talking to us. Remember the story I told you about with Jen and I and, and this situation I very imagine was a real situation in our life at some point. If I was more likely to say to Jen, who's just looking for some help, it doesn't matter if I say, oh, but he does love you. Isn't that sweet? Isn't it that adorable? It's, still, it's besides the point, right? Jesus may have said these words, and, and whether he meant them or whether he was using it as an object lesson is also besides the point. It's extra to the issue at hand. The issue here for Matthew saying to us is, is there enough of God's grace for the dogs of this world? I just want to look at this a little bit more in context if we can. Earlier in chapter 15, oh, I forgot to tell you at the beginning when we read the scripture, keep your thumb in your Bible if you open up your Bible. Earlier in chapter 15, Jesus gets approached by the spiritual leaders of the day. They're so upset about the cleanliness practices of his disciples. So upset that they're not meeting their standards prescribed from them by the law. Their cleanliness practices. And, uh, and Jesus kind of flips the script on the leaders. He says it's not what goes into them that makes them impure. It's not what goes in that makes them unclean. It's what comes out. This is what is important. And he lets them know their purity rule, rules cannot and will not be restrictive in the discipleship of Jesus. And afterwards, he leaves Jerusalem. He leaves Israel. That's what this says at the beginning of our reading. He leaves the largest concentration of where the very people he was sent to, the Jewish people, the very sheep he said he was sent towards. And he goes to Tyre and Sidon. He goes to another country, another region. And I want to say something about that region. It's mentioned one other time in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus again had a run-in with the leaders of the time, the religious leaders of the time, and they're arguing with him. And he says to them, in the face of the miracles he's done, in the face of all that he's done, he says to them, he says, look, if these miracles had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would believe. Woe is you who do not believe. If these had been done there, they would believe. And then Jesus uses the classic poetic, prophetic words that are used like in the Psalms that we read at the beginning of our service every week. You know, part of the poetry of the Psalms is to repeat the idea, right? Like for us, we repeat the sound at the end of the line. It creates this rhyme. In Hebrew poetry, you repeat the idea, and so it's all synonymous. Or sometimes it's elevated. It's a little more emphatic. And so after he says, woe is you, and he names some Jewish cities because you don't believe. Tyre and Sidon would have believed. He then elevates it and repeats the idea. Indeed, he says, if Sodom was here, if Sodom had seen these, they would still be here today. Yeah, Jesus makes that comparison. Tyre tells us that Tyre and Sidon in this time is viewed similarly to Sodom. And Jesus goes to that district, goes to that area. In fact, he goes again after having warned them in the first place. He's like, okay, let me see if what I've just prophesied is true. And he does so in exact response 
to the power-mongering, grace-crippling actions of the leadership. And he goes to extend grace to this lady. And it does not matter what's happened to her in the past. It does not matter whether she measures up. It does not matter if her life looks different. Grace is available for her, her daughter, and by extension, indeed, all of them, all those people. After the story of the Canaanite woman, as it continues on, we'll, we'll do a little bit of look, glimpse of the context afterwards. Jesus returns to the Sea of Galilee in Jerusalem. This is, by the way, the only time in the book of Matthew of Jesus' ministry that he leaves Israel is precisely in this moment in the face of people not believing, not believing God's grace can meet in this area. It is precisely then that Jesus leaves for just a moment to remind us perhaps we can be surprised by God's grace. And after this story that I read for you, he goes to the Sea of Galilee. And in a very abbreviated section, it says, they're bringing in the blind, they're bringing in the mute, the maimed, the lame, and many others. People of whom it would have been said, they have a demon. People with these same afflictions are, are, have that descriptor given to them throughout the Gospels. And there are no other qualifications about these people. Galileans, sure. Are there anyone else in that mix? Probably. No other qualifiers for this crowd. But in verse 31, it ends in this way. And they praise the God of Israel. Where the grace of God is willing to go is not based on the restrictive practices that the church might want to impose. It is based on whether our faith will bring us to praise the God of Israel. This message and these words are written for the church for the disciples still learning after the resurrection, well, where's Jesus willing to go? What, what's he going to do? I thought he was just for us. Those still wondering whether God's grace can reach out to this or that other group of people. This passage is specifically written for them to see that indeed God's grace is extended to those who we might see as dogs. And what we learn in this passage is that there are indeed no dogs before Jesus. In a moment, we are going to come forward and we're going to receive communion. It is the sign of God's grace for us. And whenever we receive communion, you always hear me say, this is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you. This is the blood poured out for you. It's a way of always remembering everything we do in worship and everything we hear in Scripture is tied to Jesus, precisely the one who was crucified for us, the one who traveled to the cross as the embodiment of rejection, who takes on all forsakenness, yes, even the forsakenness of the Father in heaven, in order that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, might beckon and to his grace, all the forsaken, all the dregs, all the dogs, the Tyre and Sidon outcasts of this world into his grace. For those listening live or going to hear and see this later on on TV or on YouTube, I want you to know wherever you have heard words such as those spoken in this passage come from the church or so-called disciples, I want you to know that Jesus inhabited those words just long enough 
for us to realize he's called the church out of that judgment, out of those stereotypes. And there is room enough for you in this church, in God's family, and at this table. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for passages that emphasize that your grace surprises us by where it is willing to go. Heavenly Father, help us not be distracted by the ugliness that often occurs in our world while we are being surprised by grace. Help us realize that's all besides the fact. Help us remember that you are the God who's still actively seeking and engaging with us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this gift of grace given to us by your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we come to the table this morning, Heavenly Father, I pray you would help us indeed to be committed to being people of grace and to be surprised by where you might send us as well. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.